welcome to the second episode of Carpe Mundi's first ever capstone podcast series, Route of Passage. For those of you who are new to Carpe Mundi or missed our first episode, we are a nonprofit organization based in Portland, Oregon that supports low-income college students through a year-long mentorship program that includes an experiential education study abroad semester through our partner organization and podcast series sponsor, Carpe Diem Education. In more ways than one, this study abroad experience ends up being a rite of passage. Every year after their travels, our students take the opportunity to reflect on what they've learned throughout their journeys, culminating in a final capstone project where they share their stories at a live event. This year, we're taking the students' voices online, coming to you over the airwaves, and we're excited to share their stories, statements, and conversations of growth and inspiration with you. I'm Rachel Anderholder. And I'm Carol John. And today's episode is themed, Doing It Anyway. <laughs> uh, Carol, do you remember a time when you had to push yourself to do something and you're really glad that you did it? You know, what comes to mind is actually a time when I started out really wanting to do something. I was in college and I wanted to do this internship in Greece, so much so that I was in this uphill battle with my parents to let me do it. I told them I got a scholarship, that it would benefit my career goals, and they slowly came around. But about a week or two before I was scheduled to leave, my internship placement fell through, and with that, so did my motivation. And I know saying it out loud, I realize how crazy it sounds to say, I don't want to go to Greece. But at the time, it was more about this amazing opportunity to get specialized experience in my field. So I'm at this fork in the road wondering, do I opt out and do something stateside equally beneficial to my future career or go anyway and make the most of it? And at that point, I spoke with someone older and wiser than me and figured I and even my parents had already made it this far up the hill, so to speak, and that is still so full of possibilities, even if it feels more difficult now. And so, yeah, I decided to go and I am so glad because even if it wasn't this awesome future career move, it transformed so much of how I think about myself and the world even now. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that sounds in a lot of ways really similar from what we're going to hear today. Today, we're going to hear from three students, all that traveled to Guatemala and all who face challenges in making the most out of their study abroad experiences, both before and during their travels. Um, but they leaned into those challenges and they did it all anyways. Carpe Mundi in general observes that international experiences like you going to Greece or these students going to Guatemala build resilience and confidence and give our students the skills they need to continue to push their comfort zones moving forward and achieve those hard things, um, either in their education or in their lives in general. Our first student to start it off will be Caitlin Hacker, who was challenged by how many hills there are to climb in Guatemala. Listen up. It was our first week in Guatemala, and Topher brought us on a short walk, 15, 20 minutes tops. We walked through busy Shayla, navigating traffic and feeling a gradual increase in elevation as we headed to the other side of town. I quickly became out of breath and ended up towards the back of the group. I had not done a lot of long-distance walking before this. Shayla is at roughly 7,500 feet above sea level. 
That means as we climbed one of our first hills in Guatemala, we experienced just how much closer that brought us to the burning sun and how quickly we ran out of oxygen. Not a single day went by that I could get away without wearing sunscreen, something I never wear in Oregon. The added physical strain made it easier to be annoyed with just about anyone or anything. I would grumble about those ahead not waiting up, even if it was totally my fault. However, there was one person I never really got annoyed with, and that was another student named Elena. Our walks, however stressful, became a great opportunity to get to know people within my group such as Delena, who pretty much became my best friend for the remainder of the trip. We get up to what we think is the highest point, and Topher tells us we are at the base of a lava dome named Cerro El Baul, and that we should hike it. That caught many of us off guard, as by this point it feels like it's been way more than 20 minutes. <laughs> I had been feeling a slight sense of annoyance, and as we had our group meeting, I had hardly given that hike a second thought. I mean, from my current perspective, it's incredible, really. I love anything related to volcanoes. It's probably the only thing I liked in school. <laughs> but I was caught up in my own negativity. I considered my speed as we climbed the hill, shuffling along, feeling my legs lose, lose strength and like I might fall at any second. If only three of the more physically fit in our group are going, there's no way I could tag along, at least not without the stress of the physical challenge and the guilt that I'm ultimately holding them back. I felt silly that such a simple walk could give me so much trouble. Recently, I realized that on a subconscious level, I was struggling with another psychological factor within my decision, the fear of missing out, or FOMO. It has so ingrained itself within me, I hardly even notice anymore that it impacts nearly all of my decisions. It has made me more aware of what others around me are doing, how they are dressed, and their personalities. In this case, it was easy. Three people would climb the mountain, three I didn't know very well, and nine would head back to Casa Cybel. So much more could happen with nine people. So many more things I could miss out on. Frankly, I don't even remember what we did after that walk. But I bet I would have remembered hiking the mountain. A lack of confidence, trust, and a fear of missing out held me back on that day, and has held me back on many days of my life. And as I think about it now, along with many other missed opportunities, I regret not hiking with them. Something that seemed so small and so obvious at the time, choosing not to go on the hike, had really no thought put into it at all. And what world would you choose not to hike a lava dome? <laughs> this walk had been a jump start for what the rest of our trip would look like. I kept telling my friends, seems like no matter where we go in Guatemala and no matter how much altitude we drop getting there, I swear there's always a hill to climb. In San Juan Comalapa, unfortunately our last destination, our group was presented with an optional hike with the owner of the homes we were staying in. Now, I know I had said I'd gotten stronger, but I was still out of breath and still struggling, still towards the back of the group, and still mumbling about my frustrations to Delena. So when much of the group was unsure, at first I wasn't sure with them. Why should I go if nobody else does? But I quickly remembered my experiences from Shayla until now, and then my question changed. It became, well, why wouldn't I go? I realized physically I am much better, and I'll only keep getting better if I keep trying. I wasn't worried about the social aspects anymore. Instead, I wanted to see the sights and take that opportunity to explore Guatemala. Only one other student from my group came with me, Oscar. Otherwise, we walked with a group from Michigan who we had been working with and slowly getting to know. As we began to ascend a particularly steep climb during our hike, 
A girl from their group fell behind, and we ended up side by side. It was so easy to begin talking and getting to know her. Despite being slow, I still had the confidence to make another friend and have fun. In a way, this really helped me to understand that saying, when one door closes, another opens. There's always an opportunity, even if it isn't obvious. Since I've been back, despite being restricted to our homes due to COVID, my host family and I have been getting out much more and going on tons of walks. The first long walk we went on was four and a half miles long, and we were all surprised at how well I did. I thought, man, I can't lose this. So I've been consistently going since, or at least trying to. Sure, it's still hard, but I'm confident that change will come with time. I'm also so much more confident that I can leave home and go on adventures like ours to Guatemala. I don't need to be afraid of FOMO or that I'll be alone, because you aren't ever really alone. It's what you make of it, and everyone you meet, no matter how long you know them, can change your life. I believe that there is always a hill to climb, a challenge to overcome, a friend to meet, and I believe that you just have to go for it, because when you get stuck in the decisions and the details like I have my whole life, that's when you really miss out. Thank you, Caitlin. We have no doubt you'll keep on climbing to new heights, and we're so proud of you for sticking with it. Next up, we have Zach Wegner, who, in a conversation with my fabulous co-host, Carol, shares some stories about the little moments being his saving grace while traveling far from home. I'm here with Zach Wegner, one of the 11 members of Navigar cohort. Zach, we were talking a little bit about what you wanted to share today. And I was just remarking how we're both very similar in that when we look back on Guatemala, it's filled with nostalgia for both of us. Um, yeah, um, definitely when I think back to when I was in Guatemala, I definitely look at it like uh, through a nostalgia, like 90s. I wasn't alive in the 90s, but like a lens of nostalgia, you know, like like a like a fever dream um memories of joy and laughter usually come first things like when him uh said that he would set goals not to damage other people's properties or like delena very threateningly explaining jujitsu to me i don't know like angie and i practicing for our wwe careers like those are just like a few of my favorite things. I do remember some of those, though not maybe the WWE career. Um, uh, yeah. Jasmine, uh, our uh, announcer, she can fill you in on that. <laughs> thanks. I think what's interesting about these moments is usually when people talk about like their travel stories or just things that happened to them when they were traveling, um, it sounds epic. Like it's these really big, maybe magical moments, but what you're describing sounds more just like friends being friends and um, small moments of like frivolity. Yeah, I mean, like obviously there were big moments on the trip, like volunteering and like doing that, but it was like every day was hard. Um, whether it was like the hard work, especially in like the blazing sun or like weird tension in the group that we'd sometimes have or like an intestinal infection. Shout out to Heather, my amoeba. But um, I kind of think that Guatemala was sending me a message, not gonna lie. 
anyways, those hard days only kind of like made me appreciate those small little moments that we had. And I think that's kind of why I remember them so well is like through the hard days, there would be scattered little great moments that kind of just made the situation better. It takes practice to even recognize those little moments, much less cherish them the way you're describing. But that's beautiful. I'm wondering if you can share maybe one of those moments that you remember with us. I think I remember the first one probably the best. And it was um, as the PSU abroad team called it right after the honeymoon phase. We were kind of just settled in all the excitement and fun was kind of waning as we were starting to get into the logistical things and kind of these waves of homesickness started hitting and it was just perfectly matched for when we moved in with our homestays and started school um i was already kind of nervous because my spanish was muy mal but you know we were just starting to go to spanish school so i was hoping we were going to improve my homestay mom mama elizabeth she was an absolute gem i love her uh i had just started school at Solatino with uh, our teacher, Karen. Um, Carol was my classmate. She was amazing. Besides all those kind of like really great people and influences around me, it just was so hard to adjust and that homesickness like kept hitting me. And I hated not being able to hang out every day with my Navagar family. I missed them. And it just, it was a new place, new environment. And it turned out studying abroad, very different, very different from vacationing. They are two different things. Oh no, you had to study on your study abroad? I did have to study. I would sit in my room and study Spanish flashcards alone with my thoughts and my feels. I just think of family and friends back home and it was kind of rough. You know, I'd be kind of sad. I wouldn't cry to myself, but you know, thankfully everyone just started hanging out. You know, we kind of recognized that everyone just wasn't the same when we weren't all together. So we just took any chance we could to be together. And that kind of led to this beautiful pattern of spontaneous adventures that were maybe 15 minutes. Sometimes they were longer, sometimes they were shorter, but those, those small times were so fun. And my favorite was right after school. And it was before we were going to go do the tour of the graveyard in Shayla. And me and Caitlin and Maritza were all just sitting around and we decided just to point in the direction of the hills and go that way because we hadn't been there and we wanted to see what was over there. We looked around at a couple stores. They all sell the same thing, fun fact, in Guatemala. And we ended up up in the hills in this neighborhood and we found a staircase up to like this little shanty house. And the staircase was like probably 90 degrees. Like it was a cliff face with probably stairs dug into it. It was super steep, really scary. Probably got up 10, 15 steps. And Marita, while on what was more like a cliff than a staircase, was like, let's take a photo. This is a perfect opportunity. We were tired and we didn't really want to. But, you know, when when in Rome, you got to do it. So as we were balancing on these small cliffs facing the city, she kind of snaps a selfie with everyone. And we're all in it. And I guess she didn't like the positioning or we didn't see enough city or it was too bright. So she taking these photos over and over again and she was just slowly just ever gently moving the camera to her face and me and Caitlin noticed and we thought it was so funny we smart and I think what she was trying to do was cut us out of the photo and like clearly the best option would have been to just 
ask us to take her a photo, but I don't even think she recognized that she was just trying to get a good angle of herself and it was just cutting us out. And it was so funny. And I think eventually she caught on and she just put the camera on her nose and took a photo and just started doing a baby voice of like, oh, is this good? Is this a good photo? And I, I literally died. I went to heaven that night. I couldn't handle it. And that was it. We were done after that and we just walked home and did homework and it was just, it was amazing. And I remember you saying that it was all of 30 minutes, that it, it wasn't uh, this grand, you know, adventure uh, by any means, but that it was just enough to sort of get you through the next day. It really did make my day better. And we kind of like continue to have these really great small moments uh, throughout the trip. Another one being Carol getting mad at the stamp while we were building eco-housing, but we won't get into that right now. Um, That was hilarious, Carol. And it was things like that. Those school days were not hard at all in comparison to the rest of the trip, but it was really nice because I kind of continued it. thought of it as like a coping skill, like with hard work or anything. And so I I felt more comfortable when we would do that like to continue working or things like the laughter and the joy made it easier to go on with the work and now I kind of do that back home and even though it's more like monotonous tasks instead of that hard demanding work the sentiment you know is still kind of there to look for the light in anything you know we only have we only have the day so you might as well have a good time with it and I'm really thankful for Navigar and for teaching me that that's beautiful that there are little moments throughout everyone's days that help break up the the monotony, especially now, right? During like COVID times, I think that lesson feels so much more important to like break up the day with just trivial silliness even. Yeah. You remember it's like an old Disney song, but whistle while you work? Yeah. I Isn't that from... Dwarf, the dwarves, right? Yeah. Snow White, Snow White. Snow White, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I'm just, I think of how it's like such a small action, but it makes the work feel lighter and it brings a little joy to it. Well, when we were clearing the fields in Pacha, I wish I learned how to whistle because wow. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for sharing this story, Zach. It's it's really meaningful and especially important for times like these. Yeah. Um, more than the epic grand things you can do, we're kind of confined to the small little things we can do these days. So, yeah. Definitely. Thanks, Zach. I love you, Carol. Bye. that Zach did do some actual studying on his study abroad trip. In fact, it got a little competitive in our Spanish class. But before I get off on too much of a tangent, here's a word from our sponsors. All right, I am here today with our sponsor for today's episode, Rick Thomas of First Generation Advisors. And uh, Rick, tell us a little bit about First Generation Advisors and your mission as an organization. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. Great to be here and central to answering the question. First Generation Advisors is a description of who my primary client is. And I work with privately owned businesses, owner operators, 
And uh, I work with the first generation because I believe every generation in a business can be first generation, especially if they were involved in founding the business, kind of the mindset around founding a business and all that goes into growing and scaling a business. So based on the fact that you have done a lot of travel personally, what's one thing that you've learned from traveling that shapes how you do business and, and work alongside your, your clients? No matter where I have traveled and who I've met, in terms of the, the kind of the humanity in people, we're all very similar. We, we have similar cares about having a healthy and, and prosperous life, having healthy children, um, and having success as a family. Every place I've visited, I've learned something new and different about how they approach these things in life, whether it's business or family or relationships, it's different and it all informs my own experience. And I think that's so powerful to learn how to ask really, really good questions from a different perspective. And I, I have this inherent belief that you already have the answers. My job is to help clear the smoke and allow those to manifest. And so asking really good questions makes that happen. And my travel abroad and my work with Carpe Mundi continually informs how I ask questions in my work. I love that. That's a great answer. So many, so many questions that can percolate up from traveling. <laughs> One last question to wrap us up, Rick. If, if somebody out there wants to learn more about you and first-generation advisors, where can a prospective client learn more? So www.firstgenadvisors.net. That's where uh, people can find out more. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Rick, for all that you do for Carpe Muni and for sponsoring this podcast. It was really great to chat with you today. It was great to chat with you too, Rachel. Thank you. A big thank you to Carpe Diem Education and First Generation Advisors for the support. Next up, we can't wait to hear from Delana Wilkins, who chose to pursue her dream to study abroad, even though she was confronted with a lot of fear before her journey. Ever since I was in high school, I've always wanted to travel, specifically to do study abroad. My friend inspired me when she was traveling to New York and Italy for school, and I've also never been outside of Oregon, which is another reason why I wanted to travel. So when the opportunity came in freshman year of college, when someone from Carpe Mundi came into one of my classes to do a presentation about it, I thought this is a perfect opportunity, so I applied, not thinking much of it. I just wanted to keep my options open just in case something else came along, like another study abroad program. I didn't expect to hear anything back from them, but the next thing I knew, I got an email asking to schedule an interview, which I did. I went to the interview, which I thought I did horrible on, but apparently not, because not too much long after, I got another email saying that I got to the program. Out of all the options that they had to travel to, I chose Central America, for one being that I wanted to learn Spanish, as well as my best friend's family is from Guatemala, and you were telling me so much about it that it became my number one choice. I didn't actually think I would go through with going to Central America. I went to all the scheduled meetings that we had to go to to prep for the upcoming trip. I held off on telling my parents for a while, but when I did, my mom at least did not like it at all. She thought I was going to die, to put it simply. I understand where her fear was coming from because I've never traveled before and neither has she. 
So whenever I would bring it up, she would always have something negative to say about it. Oh, you're going to die. You're going to get kidnapped. Or is it going to be trafficked, et cetera, et cetera. She couldn't even pronounce the place correctly. I told her we were going to Guatemala and Costa Rica, but with Guatemala, she would always pronounce it. Or Guadalajara, no matter how many times I tried to correct her, um, which I thought was funny. In reality, while I was in Guatemala, I sprained my ankle on two separate occasions, walking down the street. Um, local people came to my aid and made sure that it was okay. None of them tried to kidnap me, kill me, or rob me of my organs. Also, my home stays also tried to make sure that I had everything I needed, always asking me if I had enough blankets and was comfortable. My other home stay mom even took me and our other group members to the store to choose our own breakfast foods so that we would feel at home. In my experience, the people of Guatemala made every effort to make me feel welcome. But it wasn't just my mom who told me what to expect. Before my trip in January, when I got off work, I had another experience where I ran into an old coworker on the bus and we were just catching up. And I told her about my upcoming trip to Central America, and she said that her family was from a part of Central America. Um, she would then went to, on to tell me how the people there were really racist and to be careful. In reality, I wasn't treated differently than any of the other members of my group. Even in my Spanish class, where it was me and Caitlin, who was white, my Spanish teacher joked around with us all the same. With my mom constantly telling me that I was going to die or that something bad was going to happen to me if I went there, and now a coworker whose family is from there telling me that people are racist really made me doubt whether or not I wanted to go. Even though I went to these meetings, I really didn't think I was going to go. I kept going just in case I changed my mind. The same night that I ran into my old coworker it was the same night I texted Carol saying that I didn't know if I wanted to go anymore, and she sent me links on studying abroad while black which I really appreciated. At this point, I was 100% sure that I wasn't going to go. I was looking for signs on whether or not I should go. I even talked to my friend's family, and they made me feel better about it and encouraged me to go. So I went. Obviously, I was still hesitant, but this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me, and I already spent so much time going to all these meetings. It would have just been a waste of time if I didn't go. After I returned from my study abroad trip, I was cleaning out my closet and found the purse I took to prom. Inside the purse was a note from my friend's mentor. I told her how much I wanted to study abroad, and she had given me a note recommending Carpe Mundi. This was a year before I even applied, and I had completely forgotten about the note up until this point. And I just found it funny that even though I had forgotten about this note, that I still ended up going on this trip with Carpe Mundi. And that just clarifies for me that this was meant to be. People will tell you what to expect, but it's usually coming from a place of fear. What I've come to believe since traveling is that no one else can dictate what your experience will be like but you. We're so glad that the meetings and support beforehand were effective in coaxing Delena on this trip because it really helped her understand that she is in control of her own life experiences moving forward. Delena also gained a little something else she wasn't expecting during her journey to Guatemala, a new close friend who we heard from previously in this episode, Caitlin Hacker. To wrap up our episode today, we have a little bonus content of Delena and Caitlin chit-chatting about the value of their friendship. Delena and Caitlin, I know that both of you got to be friends on the trip to Guatemala. And I was just wondering, and maybe Delena, you can go first, if you had any specific thoughts about Caitlin before the trip. 
So the way I think of it is, this is gonna sound weird, but when I bought my first car, or when anybody buys a first car, like you'll see, you see the car like more and more often, you know? Or like in the streets, like, oh, there's the same car that I have. It's kind of the same like when I met Caitlin. I didn't know she went to PCC, the same campus as I do. And I started seeing her more and more often, like, oh, wow, she's in the same program as I am that, that I'm in. And I'm not going to lie, I was kind of avoiding her because I didn't want to, like, make awkward conversations. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I would, like, avoid her or not, like, look. It's like, oh, that's, you know, because I'm just, like, an awkward person. And same for you, Caitlin. Just what were your general impressions of the group? And, and if you had any specific impressions of Delena before the trip? Yeah, don't feel bad, Elena, because honestly, I, I, I felt awkward when I saw you too. <laughs> Everybody was so different. I'm like, I'd always hung around kind of the same crowd growing up. So it's like, there's such a variety of people here. This is freaking me out. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm like, you know, after meeting Delena, and I saw she was really quiet. And I'm like, man, most of the people I've met, usually like I'm the quiet one and they're trying to help me you know, meet people, I kind of already felt like I might have the most in common with her just because she was the other, you know, quiet person. And so it was, I already felt more comfortable knowing that there was someone else there like that, <laughs> and that yeah. it wasn't just me. <laughs> yeah. Even uh, though you were trying to avoid awkward conversations or even though you're both quiet, how did you still end up friends on the trip? I don't know, but I will tell you. <laughs> I will say that um, I do better on one-on-one -on -one conversation than in a group conversation. But yeah, I think it was mainly just talking to her. Um, I do have one of my favorite memories was at the homestay that we used to get at together. We were in the bedroom, we shared a room together and we were just singing a bunch of random songs. And I remember the homestay mom, it was just like walked by and she was just kind of looking in there and I'm just like, oh, that's awkward. <laughs> yeah, we were just like both singing a random song. So um, that's one of my favorite memories. I think she was just also like really easy to go along with. I mean, I feel the same way in a lot of ways, but it was almost natural us coming together, you know, like the way what happens in most groups is people find people who are similar to themselves. And for her and I, it was a lot slower. I don't know, Delaney and I just started talking and we found out that I think we just had a lot more in common than we thought. And, you know, it was nice. That was also one of my favorite memories. There's a part of me that's even surprised still that I or Delaney, like, we're doing that. Like it was just a totally spontaneous moment that was just different than a lot of things I've done. And so it was, it was really fun. <laughs> I will say, I always noticed that she always took risks and was always willing to challenge herself. Um, like she always did things that I would not do. Um, so I admired that. Like she went and killed the chicken or I don't know, harvest. I don't know what it's called, but she did that. Um, she volunteered, I remember at Chico Mendez, she volunteered to do a lot of the stuff that the other girls or other people wouldn't do. And I'm just like, there's no way I'm not. And like, in some ways, I think we're like polar opposites, but we still, um, connect, you know? Um, so I yeah. admire that her. Um, and she's just really nice and she's just to be good along with. So. <laughs> yeah. I almost think it's like... It's like, even if you're polar opposites, it's like um, you can connect because you respect that in the other person. Yeah. And like in some weird ways, like because you respect it, it almost like 
challenges you and and affirm like and also like encourages you right mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's that's you know that's a big thing that I appreciate about Delana like having us be different you know like opposites attract attract it's just if we were too similar I feel like it wouldn't work out that way and you know I always appreciated Delana's like honesty and just kind of really being herself and not trying to adopt you know some of the behaviors of other people like that's something I do (laughs) I try to fit in and sometimes I try too hard but Delana was always like herself and that kind of helped me think you know maybe I should just be myself (laughs) and so it was just it really worked out that way And and I found it kind of fun to like try and do things and challenge myself and try to encourage Delana to do it with me and <laughs> you know it's always just kind of I don't know it just makes it make, it was really fun to hang out with her yeah and I think y'all looked out for each other a lot too the last question that I have was I know we came back due to very unprecedented circumstances so nothing about even how we operate or function now is normal but any thoughts on what it looks like to to be friends after like an experience? Yeah, I'm really bad at reaching out to people. Like for like being the first one, I'm not gonna lie. I I think I just need to you know put myself out there more and like you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm also really bad at keeping up with people, so it's like a bad <laughs> it's a bad duo there in a way because neither of us can reach out to each other, but. I'm trying to be better about it. I think especially come to the start of the school year, we could text each other something and be like, hey, these are the classes I'm taking. These are the classes yeah. you're taking. If there's anything in common, do homework or something. And we could always like, if, you know, just try and meet up in small ways if we feel like we're not sick, things like that, you know? Sometimes it's worth it to take risks even in times like these. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well said. I think to both of your points, it's like, oh yeah, things are just so weird now. I think there's also this idea that it just requires more intentionality because I'm not going to cross paths with you, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Like I might not run into you the way that I thought or whatever. Well, thanks to you both for sharing and for talking about what it's like to become friends with people on a study abroad trip. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for suggesting it. great to hear two people share their gratitude for each other. A little call to action out there to all of you inspired by Caitlin and Delena. Get a hold of a friend you haven't talked to in a while and share a story with them. That wraps it up for today's episode. Stay tuned for episode three next week. And thank you again to Carpe Diem Education for making these experiences possible and to First Generation Advisors for sponsoring this episode. We also want to give thanks to Kevin McLeod for the song Quasi-Motion accessed under the Creative Commons license. Also, we need to give a really big thanks to Rachel's sound machine.
old school sound seriously <laughs> it's seriously a sound machine um and a final huge thank you to caitlin zach and delena for sharing their experiences with us we look forward to sharing more stories and conversations next week but before you go it's summer travel season so it's safe to expect a little travel delay what i wanted to say is have you ever heard that story where the tourist is trying to take a picture at the Grand Canyon or something, and, and they fell in. And they fell in. And so that I was trying to say, <laughs> poising this story to sound like it could have been so tragic, you know? <laughs> well, it obviously wasn't a cliff face, like it was a staircase that was just really steep.